You're listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. For more information, find us on Instagram at Decidedly Podcast. Do you ever wish that you were funny? <laughs> you don't you don't think I'm funny? Well, like I'm just saying, do you wish that you were? I, I wish that I were more funny. Does it bother sometimes. you that people there, don't think you're funny? There were uh, there there's always I always reflect on things I should have said in the time I go back. Do you ever do that? You, you think, oh, I should have said that. It would have been funny. Oh, I usually have the I usually have the the one liner right at the tip of my tongue and I get it out. Do you all yeah, the time? Locked usually. and loaded. I'm just giving you a hard time. Being funny. I, I have a few friends that are very funny. And when okay. they're together, they're very, very, very funny. And it's kind of like when we're together. I think you're funny. You think I'm funny. They you know, think it's, they're it's weird. hilarious. You can get... You, I, I think I'm funnier with certain friends of mine. Yeah. Who well, are also funny. When, yeah. when you're being funny and people get your humor. Um, uh-huh. So I had a humbling experience. I'm hanging out with these, you know two friends of mine and they're very, they're a lot closer to each other than they are to me. And, you know, I told a couple jokes and they got kind of, you know, uh, you know, like mild reaction. I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought that was funnier than I guess it was, but whatever. Finally at the like end of the day, one of them, after I told the joke said, Hey, um, you know, you'd be a lot funnier if you, you know, told the joke in this way or, oh. or he like gave me like, he gave me tips. He was like, oh, you could be funny sometimes <laughs> and i said hey man hey oh i'm not that's that like, you know, funny yeah I mean, if you if you kind of dress differently you could really be attractive that's you like what good. he said <laughs> so, yeah i go yeah, dang sort of, man okay fine sorry cuts to the heart man i'm done no more jokes <laughs> whatever anyway you know i never claimed to be a professional comedian but our guest no. today is a professional comedian Tom Kelly joined us um, for a conversation about decision-making. He's a stand-up comedian from New York City. He's best known as a warm-up comic on The View, Good Morning America, The $100,000 Pyramid, and um, America's Got Talent. Um, He is the host now of his own podcast, The Tom Kelly Show, where he kind of dances the thin line between comedy and therapy, and uh, it's interesting. So check it out. I hope you enjoy our conversation that we had with Tom. I know I learned a lot more than I expected from a comedian, so I'm sure you will too. I'm Sanger Smith with my dad, Sean Smith, and this is Decidedly. This is exciting. You, Tom. Hello, guys. I want to get something <laughs> out of the way right away, and that is um, no matter what joke you make, I promise to not slap you in the face. Well, that's why I'm doing all my work on Zoom from here on in. If 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 we've learned anything from Will Smith and Chris Rock is maybe comedians were safer during the pandemic. Yeah, there's no and there's no relation, by the way, uh, to to us and Will. <laughs> very, very you know, <laughs> actually, do you get that a lot being Smiths? Are you related to Joe Smith from New York? Like, do you get that? I mean, I, I get that as a Kelly. Oh, yeah. yeah it's, sometimes did. it's a, it's it's often far more of a stretch than you would think is appropriate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as a Kelly, it's just obscure enough. And the thing with Kelly is it's like being named John Smith in Ireland. Uh, so 
if you're Irish, you probably don't ask, do you know Bob Kelly, Joan Kelly, or whatever. Um, but if you are not Irish descent uh, and you know someone with the last name Kelly, you'll get it a lot. And like, I'm from a town where there's about eight different last name Kellys, and none of us are related to one another. I get that. I get that a lot with the name Sean Smith. People think I'm saying John Smith and they go, oh, bullshit. You're yeah. not <laughs> and are you related to the Smiths who own the Smith restaurant in New York, the prominent <laughs> <Right>. Smith? <laughs> we could do this all well, day I long. Had, yeah, I, Tom, I, I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you because I, I had connected with you on, uh, I, I think, through Instagram. And I really started following what you were doing. I was like, oh, I got I to gotta talk to Tom because you approach things. I, I think maybe you're a little younger than I am. But uh, much you younger, were approaching clearly. things. I probably the... am younger, but to be clear, I look much older for those of you listening on the audio <laughs> podcast. Uh, I, I just have a sense by, from your maturity and your button-down shirt, you're, you're way ahead of me age-wise. But uh, yeah, with that big toothy smile, I know either that or you've had a lot of work done. <laughs> <laughs> I need to have a lot of work done. <laughs> I wish sure. he did. So I and now here I am interrupting your compliment. Let's go. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. So it, anyway, I was intrigued by your your approach to your craft, right? And I, I said, you know, there, I want to talk to Tom because uh, I I think it would be interesting, but but I could probably draw a connection from comedy to decision making. And it's almost a challenge. You know, Sager and I were talking about, oh. about that. And, so and just... so the, here's, here's where we are screwed for the next 58 minutes of this podcast. <laughs> okay. I thought you were inviting me on the show to help me make decisions because I am a mess and have been listening to you guys a bit uh, because decision-making has paralyzed me. It, it's a... My career is in flux. Uh, had you met me two years ago, uh, almost, God, almost to the day now, or uh, two years, one month ago now, uh, I was working at two different TV shows through Good Morning America. Uh, I got laid off six days before the pandemic. So you guys are looking at the least essential non-essential worker in new york city <laughs> and the frustration come into the office no no and and, and, and you don't realize how non-essential you are until you realize all the idiots who you thought were non-essential they're at work and you're not <laughs> you know like it's like wow that guy I, that guy's still in the corner office i don't get that anyway i don't even want so basically i had worked 20 years on a stand-up comedy career and I finally started getting fiscally ahead. I I was, folks, for those of you listening and are longtime fans of the Decidedly podcast, I was on my way to getting a button-down shirt like Sean and a blazer like Sanger. And I was ready. I was on the way to making it. And uh, the bomb got thrown at me. Um, there have been interesting gifts with losing your three quarters of your frigging career and there's been a lot of frustration and it's funny that i'm now on your self-help decision-making podcast on a day that has been full of uh frustration uh so one of the things i did during that was become more honest and i think i've picked up a certain amount of instagram fans and uh fans of my tom kelly show podcast which is uh i call the home of personal growth and fun 
through that, I have really been leading a uh, a parade of the broken, the beaten, and the damned, as I like to say, uh, as we're all <laughs> trying to fix up our lives, you know. And uh, so, to your point, my my approach has become more honesty and owning my mess. So you didn't what really do you mean need by to more more honest. Was that something that you noticed? Uh, were you not honest before? Yeah. Uh, I mean, so my, you know, and I can't tell how much you guys know about me from, you know, uh, but I was the premier warm-up comedian in New York City for TV shows. And, you know, I was at The View for many years. I had to leave The View because of yeah, a scheduling yeah. conflict over Good Morning America, which I thought at the, and I made the decision to, based to, on money. So that people understand Oh, what so I did. People understand you are you, your role was to make sure that this crowd is ready to laugh before yes. people who are you know, uh, every TV show with show an up. audience has a comedian who goes out before the show, tells them a few jokes, yeah. loosens the people up, uh, and gets them in the mood for whoever's coming next. That person is rarely on television. Uh, I was blessed at GMA and blessed at the view that they would throw me bones from time to time or give me little shout outs. Uh, but for the most part, um, you know, the warm up comedian is the guy who grinds the hot dog. You don't want to see him. You don't know, want to know how he does it. Uh, that said, I was good at it and I am good at it. And uh, maybe I'll be good at that or something else. And I was in that weird in between stage of. I called working in daytime TV the copper handcuffs in life. Uh, like I always said, God, if I had more time, I could be more creative if I could do this. And, you know, I wasn't getting rich, but I was making a living, which is a blessing for a comedian. You know, like, uh, listen, I yeah, mean, if yeah. you're making 50 grand a year, you're doing well compared to most New York City based comedians. Um, you know, like the night comics you see in New York City, if you see Amy Schumer performing at the Comedy Cellar, the week after doing the Oscars on a Thursday night, Amy Schumer made $100 for that appearance. You know, and I'm competing yeah. with her. That's New York City comedy. And it's a gift and a curse. It's a struggle at times. And what I found with answering your question, was I being honest before? When I had the copper handcuffs on, when you're working for people like George Stephanopoulos, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, you know, um, uh, Robin Roberts, Michael Strahan, all these great people who make their money in happy uh, things, and you're working in politically correct environments, you suddenly can't post jokes about, I want to even say being unhappy is kind of weird, you know? Um, I mean, I'm not even that naturally edgy a comedian, uh, but yeah, so I think to your point, am I, was, did it was I, a lack of authenticity? I think there was a little bit of a lack of authenticity in my act beforehand, a little bit, like I wasn't doing it. Yeah. And, and I don't, um, you know, it's funny. I don't think I've truly expressed this thought. You're getting a decidedly exclusive America. Um, yeah, I haven't really explored that thought till right now, which is I did feel a certain amount of pressure of if you accidentally went too far, it could cost me money. Yeah. You know, so I don't know if I was actually inauthentic, but I at least was afraid of being authentic. Okay. No, that makes a ton of sense. If, you, if you're holding back, um, 
Yeah. So and you may not be saying things you don't mean, but you're not saying things you do mean. Listen, and there's a thin line, you know, like, I mean, listen, I would love to write the uh, proverbial uh, tell-all book on my life. And you don't do that because, you know, you still want to work for people. You know, that's why if you notice anybody who writes a tell-all biography, they're generally 60. You know, like, it's like, all right, I've... I've been out of work for 10 years. Let me tell you all the secrets about the Brady Bunch now. You know, you can't, you can't hurt me now. You can't hurt me now because I'm dead, (laughs) you know, and I'm not that kind of guy anyway, ethically. Uh, But that said, there's also a thing about, uh, do I really want to make, like if I were working at a TV show right now, this week, uh, I would even be afraid of telling too many Will Smith, Chris Rock jokes for fear of messing up a booking on whatever show I was working on that week. Right. You, you might want to be in Wild Wild West 2 or something. Right? Yes, says a man who's read my Instagram stories. <laughs> By the way, Hollywood phonies. Let me get that out of the way. Uh, but you talk about inauthenticity or inauthentic. I, right. I have a love-hate relationship with the Hollywood elite. Uh, I want to be in the club, and I'm not. So therefore, here's my honest opinion, which is everybody in that room is kissing everybody else's ass. And if I were a good ass kisser, I'd be in that room, too. So since I'm not, um, what you saw with that Will Smith moment was, hey, we all got to stand up because that guy might get us work. And that's something Hollywood has done with people who have been violent with one another for years. How many people have appeared in Woody Allen movies? I just watched a Woody Allen documentary a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah. listen, and, I, and, I, and I'm, a, I'm a believer in innocent until proven guilty, and he was not charged. That said, Woody Allen did marry his stepdaughter. You know, let's put that on the side. Roman Polanski, who was convicted, got standing ovations up until a few years ago. And then Harvey Weinstein, we're all now like poor, oh, Harvey's awful, Harvey's awful. A few years ago, we were all like, Harvey's a genius. So there's something to be said about when you talk about communication is if you can be inauthentic and really good at it, there's a career in that. Yeah, and and there's no doubt what Will Smith, I mean, it wasn't sort of in doubt uh, what, what he did, it was all there for everybody to see. What interesting to me is what happened afterwards, which was nothing. You know, if I'd been there and, you know, and listen, some of you rock upside the head, you know, and listen, I did me out in cuffs. Yeah. Listen, I did a episode. I think it's 179 of the Tom Kelly show. I did a 20 minute, completely honest breakdown on the Will Smith, Chris rock situation. And, And I'm actually proud of that episode. And uh, I challenge if your listeners are still into talking about this controversy uh, when this episode airs, I say go back to it. Uh, I'll give you a few things. One, I wasn't in the room. You know what? I heard I didn't think Will Smith was that bad at first because it was all bleeped. My first take on it, you know, like we like the first time we all saw it, we saw it on ABC. Curse words were bleeped. It looked staged. You know, I don't believe absolute joke. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Even if it, and I'll give you this too. If it was staged, it's still bad for America. That's my argument now. Is there's no way it was staged. I'm very. Have you heard the anger in that man's voice? I think it's it, real. It didn't look. It didn't look staged to me. But then again, that's a guy who just won the Best Actor award. So if there's one guy yeah, to be suspicious, suspicious of, that's the guy. <laughs> if there's one point. guy in 2022 so to people, be suspicious, yeah, it doesn't look fake. 
Hey, yeah, what, Chris, like, Chris Rock didn't win an didn't win an Oscar. He looked like he looked like a guy who got smacked in the you head. You know, <laughs> uh, and going with that, I didn't believe he looked like a guy who got slapped in the head until you watched the clip that had the extra twenty seconds of him stuttering. Yeah. You know, so anyway, you're in the room. I don't know, man. You know, there's pressure to be, you know, I, I blame everybody in the room, but I don't blame everybody in the room, but I do blame everybody two days later. You know, I think the bosses have had a chance to look at this. Uh, Will Smith's apology was, I don't want to cancel Will Smith. Um, but, you know, I will say this. If this is a podcast about communications and making decisions, one thing I could tell you guys that I have trouble with as a human being, and I think Chris Rock had a trouble with the night of, is there's a voice in your head that tells you that will be funny, that will not be funny. And Chris Rock yeah. made a joke about a woman's hair. And what a lot of us have forgotten is in 2009, uh, Chris Rock did a documentary called Good Hair. And it was a, a, you know, a black man's perspective on taking America into the culture of black women and their hair. And the one takeaway as a white man trying to do better in life is you don't talk about a black woman's hair. And now the man who made the movie that taught so many people the lesson about it is now doing it on the Oscars. Bad move. And and had Chris Rock not, I'm sorry, had Will Smith not hit Chris Rock, that Monday my podcast would not have been about uh, how awful Will Smith was to comedians and bad for society. It would have been about can we save Chris Rock's career? Chris Rock doesn't deserve to be canceled. Had Will Smith shown a little bit more dignity, the world would have gone after Chris Rock. How do I know? Because right now the world is going after Amy Schumer for being mean to Kirsten Dunst in a sketch Kirsten Dunst was acting in. You know? Well, so my, my question is, so I, I watched, I've, I've seen that clip. I guess everybody's seen that clip. And, and so the decision that I saw in that, which was split second, and I know comedians have to develop a skill of thinking on their feet and, and handling hecklers and the ultimate heckler is somebody comes on stage and, and, and hits you, I guess. And, and there was this split second where you could tell Chris Rock was loaded to say, I could say, you know, I could take this guy apart with my words right now, because I'm, I'm sure he's had to do that. Yeah. He, he did something. He made a split second like decision to, to do, to not do that, which I, I thought was interesting. Um, have you had to have you been in that situation where you're you're having oh. to make decisions at the split second and you decide okay this is this is how I'm doing that and then and how do you make those at at the split second because you know to get back to decision making those are split second decisions and we saw it live happen on the you know the Oscars so in rock's case i think it's what can you win right now you know like and my best art form in comedy is uh people will call me don rickles but i am not don rickles uh i i am good at surfing a crowd and giving backhanded compliments with which is what rock did in that moment frankly uh gi jane for as much as i think he should have been smart enough to just stay away from it i also don't think gi jane was malicious uh and you know what 
uh, I think it was said with good intentions. Uh, you know, now, when you are looking at a crowd and somebody's heckling you or arguing with you, and I think you have to think about this with any conflict. What can I win? What's the win here? And you have to think about that fast when you think about whatever word comes out of your mouth. Um, that, so you ask two different questions, which is, how do I know how to surf a room? I've been doing this for 20 years. I have well-prepared stock lines. And then things come out of my mouth. They're either funny or they are not. Uh, and listen, that's why I am on the Decidedly podcast and not hosting the Oscars in 2023. You know, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, no, Wait, was, and, that a, was that a rip on the decidedly podcast? And you see, I there mean, you go. I made a decision yeah. that I thought these guys could take a self-effacing rib, and that if was you, the incorrect. Here, I would smack you upside the head. And there you go. And then, right yep. there, I'm going to now let me introduce the next category. See, I paused. <laughs> I thought about it. Now, I could have uh, been mean. I could have asked if you guys went to the same Just for Men club, but no. No, I did not ask if I did not ask if you had the same hair implant surgeon. No, I said, I cannot win this. Let me move on and throw the torch to someone else and let someone else deal with this mess. Right. So I want I want to go back to uh, the decisions you you were having to make. With by the way, here's a great oh, yeah. decision: is okay. us just shutting the <laughs> shutting the hell up. <laughs> shutting that down just, i'm not gonna engage you know a tip for tat with someone no, who's a professional you know, I'll, I'll tell you i almost made a smart ass comment oh, I, no, and, and, that would have been nothing. the worst decision and i'm that gonna give you my com actually decision. i'll give you two other good pieces of advice here is <laughs> one don't spar with a comedian well yeah or don't spar or or uh, i'll yeah. tell you a funny one i once uh got my put my foot in my mouth outside of abc with telling a be, uh, telling a joke to somebody who was heckling me, and I okay. rebounded with the nu uh, a nuclear bomb joke for the sake of this story. It was hilarious. Okay, I'm okay. not going to quote it because I don't want anybody to feel put on the spot. Uh, okay, and I got in trouble for the nuclear bomb, and um, I hit that point where I'm a comedian. I need principles. I am I am not going to apologize for this. And I actually bumped into Whoopi Goldberg on her way out of work. And, and I don't bother Whoopi when I used to work there too much for advice. But I'm like, you know, this is the one woman who has the right thing for me to say. And Whoopi's line was, I, I replayed the whole situation. And her line was, well, did you say it to be funny or did you say it to be mean? And I think that's an interesting thing when if you're making decisions on what words come out of my mouth? I say some mean things, but I say it to be funny. Now, if I yeah. say a funny thing with the intention of being hurtful, that is not aligned with who I am as a human being. So, so I, that's such an interesting point, because I think that what she illustrated in that comment, did you say it to be funny or did you say it to be mean? is what were your own intentions? What, what what was my motivation with my action? And that's the only time where I can judge or assess the motivations in any actions I observe is when it's my own actions and my own motivation. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times we judge other people based on their actions 
because we've misassessed or, or mischaracterized or assumed their assumptions. And we say, well, he told that joke. He must have been being mean. Of course he was trying to be mean. And that's the wrong way to look at it. I can look at myself and say, you know what? I, I probably wasn't being as nice as I could have been. Or maybe I, I, I really truly didn't mean any harm by it. And so I can look myself in the mirror and know that it's, I'm okay. I'm not a bad person because he said this thing that upset someone. But when we're looking at you know, what other people give us you know, verbally or, or otherwise, and examining their actions, I think it's a always a terrible decision to try to assess or ascribe their motives. Yeah, and I think, listen, going back to your Sean's initial question of how do you make decisions as a comedian, I think you have to know who you are. I'm having trouble, and yet I'm not having trouble making decisions lately. A lot of my decision-making has been based on is there a chance I'm going to get last minute job offers? And I'm the king of everything happening to me last minute. Um, let's put that aside. The real way you make decisions as a comedian, as a person is, you have to decide who you are and what's important to you. And for me, the few big things are being good to my family, that has affected a lot of my decisions geographically, and it probably has affected whether or how edgy I got as a uh, comic, because at the end of the day, I want mommy and daddy to be proud of me. How about that for another decidedly friggin' revelation here? You know, like, no, but like, uh, I know guys who are like, eh, you know, like, I don't believe in the whole comedian. Uh, I, so it's funny. I posted a clip on my Instagram, Tom Kelly Show, uh, and it is it is with me and another comic outside the St. Mark's Comedy Club in New York City on St. Mark's Place, and a woman walks by and we say, hey, do you want to come into a comedy show? She starts ripping apart the other barker, you know, the other guy asking people to come in. She's like, I don't like comedians, and she had an Irish, by the way, Irish accent. I don't like comedians, I don't like all of you, and she starts naming them all. You all think you have a license to say whatever you want. And I tried to diffuse it by saying I agree with you. And then she started coming at me. And then I did uh, what I like to call my uh, Karen repellent, which is I just held up my cell phone then and started recording. And I have the last 10 seconds. And her line was, I don't care if I never see another comedian in my life. So the, the, the point I'm making is, you got to be true to who you are. Now, I could have been mean. There's a lot of people making mean jokes about this woman's appearance. And I'm deleting them from my Instagram because I want to show how much people hate comedy without starting a fight that shouldn't be there about whether or not this woman was born a certain gender or not. You know, you know, it's uh, at the end of the day, who is Tom Kelly? I'm a good person, even before I say comedian or funny. And that's and that when you talk about getting more authentic, that's a decision I have made in the last 18 months. It's a decision that I made on air on the Tom Kelly show podcast. Um, the podcast follows my nervous breakdown, which I am not quite out of yet. You know, like it, I, again, I was successful. There was airs. There wasn't in, using your word Sanger. I was inauthentic. Um, and don't get me wrong. I make good money being inauthentic. I make good money pretending I'm happy even when I'm not. But then when that got taken away, how do you rebuild? And again, it's 
and, and it's deciding who you are. Uh, and I'm not telling people what to do. Sometimes, listen, maybe you are the clown. You know, like I had a priest friend uh, who never quite understood what I was doing as a stand-up comic. And he would say, well, why do you want to be on a, a stand-up comic? And I'm like, well, I want to make people happy when they are down. And he goes, oh, well, you're not a comedian then. You're, you're a clown. And I don't like that answer. Um, now, comedians yeah. are more truth tellers. But to the point of this woman from last night is, I think there's a lot of people who are sick of being told what the truth is. Because, and quite frankly, you know, I think we've given comedians too much power and we're not policing ourselves. Joe Rogan has become an expert on the coronavirus, you know, going that way. We have a lot of liberal comedians who are experts on how Republicans are bad. And maybe that's not accurate either. You know, I could go for hours on like this is a Colbert joke and I'm uh, and I'm it's my brand, except it's not working. The, uh, the Colbert joke is there's no such thing as the passionate middle, which is where I am. But anyway, getting back to the point, which is, what is my truth? And you know what? I have strong political opinions. And my strong political opinions, you know, New York is interesting because it's not the stereotype you guys might have of it being all liberals all the time. If you're in Manhattan, the politics are very Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, if you go 20 minutes yeah. outside of town, it's uh, all Trump flags. You know, and I was I was born and raised or I was raised in the town that has Trump flags. I was actually even born in a part of New York City that probably has Trump flags. You know, like I was born in southeast Brooklyn. And, yeah, that's a very Republican neighborhood, you know. Uh, but anyway, who am I? And then when we get into this, I have strong political opinions. Do people want to hear them? Not really. But being true to myself does me expressing them bring any good to the world no who is tom kelly someone who is trying to comedically bring good to the world so when i think a lot of comedians obviously have to make decisions around their niche or their persona just like you know as as financial advisors saying and i have to figure out you know what is a, a niche that we want to work where can we find the most passion where can we have unique abilities where can we provide the most value uh, to figure out who do we want to work with? Because, you know, we, we can't work with everybody. We don't want to work with everybody. We want to figure out who are the people that I really connect with and I can be as authentic as I need to be and provide value. And I would think that as a comedian, particularly at that key decision point where you were talking about a, a couple years ago with uh, getting laid off with ABC, you had to make some decisions about where your career goes moving forward. You know, do I try and reinvent myself? Do I find another avenue to be authentic and just go with what I've got and bring that to a different audience? So what were the decisions you had to make at that point? So I'll take you to a year before that in my career. Uh, right. I had worked for many years at The View. Uh, I worked there with Barbara Walters when it was more of an entertainment show. Uh, and it has become a comedic version of Meet the Press you know, or, or meet the press with punchlines. I, I very much believe okay. in the mission of the show. It's uh, smart women talking about their political opinions, and uh, uh, it's not a secret, but I generally, yeah, I don't always agree with the opinions, but I love that they express them. You know, that's the, I, I right. enjoy the environment. The environment was groundbreaking, and I still believe it is important. Uh, 
I then started finally making money. Uh, Good Morning America added an audience right before when The View aired. So I would work from 7 to 9 o'clock in the morning at Good Morning America for paycheck number one. And then I would rush up to 66th Street from 44th Street to 66th Street. It's a mile. Uh, And then I would rush up to 66th Street to work at The View from 11 to 12. And then at one point, so I was making two paychecks. I had a year of finally making money. I actually got my first financial investor or person that year. Like I finally had enough money to, uh, I knew this is a good year. We need to put this in the bank or somewhere smarter than the bank. Anyway, then Good Morning America added a third hour to the show. And I was basically given a choice of, I can make two paychecks at Good Morning America where they don't know if they need a comedian all the time. Or I can make one paycheck at The View where I had been for a while and I felt I hit my creative ceiling. And mm-hmm. I got two very conflicting pieces of, uh, pieces of advice. Um, years ago, a man named Bill Getty, who uh, was executive producer and creator of The View, had a line that if you can't make a decision, follow the money. At least then you know why you made that choice. Completely okay. contradictory to that advice was uh, a man whose name I'm blacking out on. I, I, he, was, he worked with Gelman. He helped bring the Regis Philbin program to uh, syndication. And this is going to drive me nuts. He wore loud jackets, big guy, looked just like this guy, Bill Getty, but 20 years older. And his line was, Tom, I can't tell you how many TV news people I've seen over the years leave somewhere where they are loved to go somewhere bigger only to wish they never left. And that's the two. Mm-hmm. And I decided to follow the money. Um, was that the right call? I don't know. Um, so I guess when you get into what motivates me for reinventing my career, uh, I am an artist who will give up being an artist for the first damn paycheck. You know, and that's like, listen, I grew up, I was, I am very blessed. No, I, I mean, I you maybe, yeah. no, I, and I will sell out to the lowest damn bidder. Okay. Listen, if the two of you. <laughs> that's not, I, I think that that's not as uncommon as. No, but, uh, but it's not believe. on, but it is uncommon for a comedian to admit sure. that. All right. Oh yeah. It's no, no one says it. Listen, if you offered me, I I have, listen, I have a price tag. I like, I have a price tag and the price tag is actually dropping. I, my sellout price is 2,500 an hour. Uh, It sounds crazy, but uh, I, I, there, a friend of mine who you guys should hire. If you ever have a event, a man named Pat Tully, uh, was doing these uh, charity auctions for high-end black tie kind of things, right? And he hired yeah. me to sub in for him. And I'm like, I don't feel comfortable raising money for charity. And he said, well, Tom, it pays 2500 an hour. And I said, okay, where do you need me to be? <laughs> okay. And it's funny. And I hate the work. It's a lot of pressure. Um, you're squeezing people for money. You don't know if they have, uh, you have to be funny, but you have to be so politically correct that you don't offend the people in the room, blah, blah, blah. I hate the work, but for 2,500 an hour, I am there. 
Same thing. He then offered me another one a few weeks later for 2000 for the hour. And for some reason, it just didn't feel good, <laughs> you know? So anyway, but a lot of comedians, a lot of artists, like a true artist doesn't have a sellout point. A true artist just does the damn jokes wherever the hell it is. I'll do the damn. So as my financial offers become limited, I have become more of an artist. You know, well, there's a positive to it. Yeah. And listen, and the other thought, listen, you talk about making decisions. First decision when your career is destroyed is you have to keep moving. Have you guys read the book U Squared? No. Okay. I talk about it a lot on the Tom Kelly Show podcast. It is written by a guy, Price Pritchett. I think he has a Texas accent. Uh, I think you'd like him. Uh, Price Pritchett, it's... It's a $5 self-help book that everybody within the sound of my voice should go out and buy right now. I make no money on it. And the concept of the book is about just moving and exploring. And it tells a story about a fly. And this fly keeps trying to bang through a glass wall, okay? And this fly wastes whatever few precious remaining minutes of life it has trying to break through this glass window and the fly could have made it outside if only it had gone back a little bit further flown around and it would have found the open door just a few feet away and then the rest of the book is all like little stories like that and there you go so you have to make a decision and if anybody here you're listening to this podcast listen if you are coming to sean and sanger for for advice your life is a mess we know that you're 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 screwed. Something's gone horribly wrong that you're here. And <laughs> and to that, I say, if I were going to give you one or two pieces of advice, one, go subscribe to my podcast right now. And then two, uh, keep moving, not moving away from this show. You're learning things about making decisions here. But the one decision you have to make is to not sit on your ass. No, I, yeah, I think it's important that's to, solid. Important to do something. Um, I, I, a lot of times people get knocked down and they're struggling to make choices. Oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know. And we're looking for the absolute perfect, best, right choice. And sometimes there isn't one. Sometimes it's it's a whole lot of bad choices. And if we just pick one, we can find a path to getting something better. Well, yeah, and I'm going to – I don't like that example at all, Sanger. I think that was awful, um, and I'll tell you why. Because sometimes there are bad choices, and you don't do the bad choice. That You know, like maybe you do option – like there's, there's always a D, and sometimes the D isn't take action, but it's not sit still either. Does that make sense? Like, I mean, like, like if you guys – you're doing financial advice. If right now stock market's at an all-time high, whatever, and uh, um, you're – the advice, like, right, you guys do stocks when you're not doing podcasts, right? To make yeah, for yes. in simplicity terms. Yeah. So, you know, you may not buy a million shares of Tesla all across the board. You may dollar cost average instead. Yeah. But you're sure. moving. Yeah. But like, so sometimes the answer isn't always to do A, B, C, or D. Maybe it's just find your own E or just think and move and make commitments to who you are and do and go slow. But do go. Well, I I hear what you're saying. Sometimes the available choices that we have are are mostly bad, 
And, and a lot of times people can freeze themselves into you know, a point of permanent or indefinite indecision because they can't find a, a, an option that is appealing. And sometimes in life, the options that are available to us are going to just suck. And that's where we've got to recognize, okay, you know what, I've, I don't have any great options, but if I do something, if I make some plan, if I lift, if I get up off the couch, then maybe I can find something better. You said something that, that really was interesting to me earlier about how to bring it back to authenticity, you felt like the, the work that you were doing was sometimes not as authentic as it could be. And, you know, talking about how you're, you're willing to take a paycheck to be inauthentic. It, I, I don't know, and I'm not necessarily convinced that that's purely bad. Um, it's, it's not bad unless authenticity is something that is important. To be inauthentic, um, for someone who doesn't care about authenticity, and that allows them to pursue values or goals that are more important to them, I would say that's fine. There are going to be jobs and roles and, and times in our life where being authentic is probably not good, not only financially, but maybe even maybe even morally, maybe even socially. Okay. I, I think to the point I just made, or to your point about my point, I think when I was at the top of the show saying I was being inauthentic doing warm-up work, I wasn't necessarily being inauthentic but I was being authentic to only part of myself. You know, hmm. um, when I tell a joke, yeah, God, you do. Uh, who'd have thought you would floor me with that one, man? Uh, yeah, I think there, listen, there's also like completely being inauthentic. Um, like, I think, listen, you guys are in finance. You are about making people's lives, families, and businesses grow financially, right? Would you yes. now that's being yeah. now would you then take money from a mob member? You know, I don't know. No, like or like not. well, okay, you said it quick. I know other people who well, go I'll, slow. I'll give you an I'll give you an example, Tom. So so years ago, um I ha I had a manager that was trying to get us to promote some product. And I just couldn't get on board with it and you know it and it came again he said you got to work on sales and you got to sell them this and ask them this question and you know you'll box them into they you know this right answer where they have to buy this you know this insurance or this annuity or wh whatever it was and I came to a point in my career where I'm just like I I can't do that you know I, I just can't be that inauthentic to, to kind of go with that and what I found was when I started providing advice to people to say, no, you, you shouldn't do that. You don't need to buy this. Uh, in fact, no, don't invest the money with me. You need to take it and do this other thing. Um, I, I was starting to get reactions from people. They're like, oh, well, that's not what I thought you would say. Or we talked about that. You know, we talked about this before we came to this meeting. We thought you would tell us to don't pay off the mortgage, invest the money with me. And I, and I told them just the opposite. And I think when I started getting more authentic as a financial advisor, I started getting more connectivity with, you know, connections with my clients, started getting more referrals, the business started going better. And it was just the opposite of what this manager was telling me early on, which was, no, just, you know, do this, sell them this. I don't care if you believe it, just sell them mm. that. 
Yeah. And it was such I've, a BS. I've felt the same, the same thing. Like I, I have believed strongly in the power of authenticity, especially in a relationship building um, role, right? How can I have an authentic relationship with someone? How can I have trust with someone if I'm not authentically representing myself, my points of view, my opinions, my advice? Um, I, I want to, I guess I want to clarify something because it seems like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. I think that, you know, there are going to be jobs that don't allow you to be authentic. You've got to put food on the table and your job happens to be the, you know, morning show host. It's going to, you're not going to be able to say exactly, well, exactly I, what you want all. So I've been blessed. Listen, I've been authentic. I've been blessed enough, even in the moments where I've been quote unquote inauthentic, I've been able to be authentic. But what I do a commercial for, I don't know, pick an awful product, a, uh, you know, 1983 Yugo. I don't know. Pick the worst product. Uh, there you go. And now I would argue I would as a sellout, but, or listen, or let's go the other way. Would I do a Will Smith movie? God, it's so easy to say I would not do a Will Smith movie. I'll never work with him after he punched a guy at the Oscars. Well, you want to know why I can say that is? Because there was never a chance of that happening, you know? And that's why he got that standing ovation. And so, so there you go. That, I think, might have been an inauthentic moment. All these people who were swayed by his speech. Listen, some people had to like him. The speech was great. You know, maybe they thought it was fake. Maybe they thought it was him showing something off. I don't know. Um, but I do promise you this is, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I'll be inauthentic for the right price. And I've been blessed that I haven't had to be. You know, and you're right, for all of the causes I even did uh, those auctions for, they were all generally causes I could believe in. You know, mm. and so, like, you're right. I mean, it wasn't like I was raising money uh, to take blankets from orphans. You know, it wasn't like I was doing anything awful, you know. So, yeah, but to your point about authenticity, and that goes in comedy, like, listen, I explore this mess every week on my podcast or every day on my podcast, which I'm doing three days a week. And I've been trying to joking about the podcast lately is I, I can't decide if it's about personal growth and fun or if it's just me putting my midlife crisis on the table. You know, I have had very authentic moments on the podcast where I've been, I don't want to say borderline suicidal, but man, it comes off that way. Uh, now, I'm very authentic. Is that what I should be putting out? Now, for me, the nice thing about having, a you know, having the podcast be small and intimate is I don't care right now. But I'm starting to hit this point now where my family is starting to discover I have a podcast again. You know, so now do I really want, you know, my, uh, you know, my niece's boyfriend to know that Uncle Tommy can't find a girlfriend? You know, uh, no, and they, you know, do I really want to put out that, uh, you know, like I had a very real podcast today where uh, a girl I wasn't trying to date told me why she wouldn't date me. And I'm like, I was just being nice. <laughs> You're like, I didn't even ask for this. Well, I, I mean, I, I did ask, but I didn't ask. And I didn't ask, but I did ask whatever the right way to say it is. But I gave her the out, which was you live far away. I didn't need reasons two, three, four and five. You know, <laughs> like it, like it was, I, I, and that's what it was. It was like, uh, um, 
I asked, uh, I'm like, hey, I would, she was saying something about how she can't find the right guy. And I think my line was, well, I'd date you, but uh, you live far away. And then she's on, her line was, well, I feel like we'd just be friends anyway. And I go, really? Why? And she goes, well, I feel like you're not making enough money. You are shorter. You're a little bit older. You're this, you're that. And <laughs> she went nuclear on you. Oh, no. well, and. <laughs> And then she went into three and then there's problems with myself. I don't like nice guys. And I'm like, I didn't need this while dealing with actual struggles within my own geographic region. Where's the, it's not you, it's me speech. Well, no, it's you. Pull. No, no. I, I see this is the difference between you and I, my friend is I squarely. And this is where this girl's awesome is. She squarely told me it was me even when I didn't even want it to be me. <laughs> you know, uh, so we'll see, uh, you know, but, but you get what I'm saying uh, is, or I don't know, but anyway, what, so the point I was making is I'm putting out these problems, right? And I, and I don't always have jokes about them. And the, uh, the podcast is about 150% true authenticity. And I would argue with you guys uh, do you really need to be 100% authentic or do you have to be authentic to the overall mission? Or I'll add you a third question for making decisions is you have to decide what mission you're being authentic to. And, and for those of you still listening to this podcast 45 minutes in, I'm not giving you answers anymore. I'm giving you questions to ask yourself. And when you come up with your own answer, you guys can send those answers to me, uh, Tom Kelly Show at me.com, because I don't have them. And I guess I ask you guys that is uh, like, like, listen, you like, what are you too authentic to? I, I would say that we're authentic to the the mission of the to the core belief that started this podcast, which is that we believe that decision making is the foundation of success. And if I can improve my decision making and the decision making of other people broadly we can improve their relationship with everything in their life, including what we spend our time and our energy on, which is money. And <clears throat> with, with respect to money, I've got a, an, another belief behind the way that I interact with that and the way my clients interact with that, which is that money is purely a tool we can use to achieve so much more than what we are conditioned to believe. A lot of um, our relationship with money, particularly in Western culture, is very materialistic. It's what can I get for what can my money do for me? What can my money purchase for me? Where, what plane can my money send me on? You know, what what can I acquire? What earthly possessions can I receive with the dollars that I have? And we can transform our wealth to significance if we purposefully apply those dollars not to specific goals which is what the industry bangs our heads on. But if we can apply those dollars and that wealth that we've created to our values, we can achieve significance that transcends the success of simply meeting a goal over and over and over and retiring at 60 and being really happy about it. Okay. Yeah, and I think there's an authenticity when we talk about that as being aligned with understanding, you know, Tom, you were talking about deciding who you are. And I think that's actually the, the first thing to figure out is you know what are your values what's important your money you know for you and then that makes once you've established the goals that makes decision making easier because you've you've figured out the basis upon which you're making decisions you figured out what decisions are going to move you closer to that objective that you're seeking 
and so that's the thing that that I want to try and be authentic with, or that I, I I get authentic with with my clients is is helping them understand what is it that's important to them, what is it that we're com- constantly striving for and wanting to accomplish, and many times it's not uh, those material acquisitions. It's sort of this core feeling of, you know, I want to I want to feel secure, you know, and that's that's really where people sort of open up to me in the discussions that I have, and I know the same with Sanger is a lot of times they shield that, you know, and they say, well, I just, I just want to make more money. I want to, you know, buy this stock and do a better job there, you know, get a better return and beat the market. And that's actually not what they want. And they're being inauthentic. They don't even know it uh, because it's something deeper than that. It's something uh, more profound than that. And so that's, you know, to answer your question, you know, what are we trying to be? No. And and if I'm being real and I probably should have uh, been more authentic earlier in my conversation about how authentic I am. Uh, I have trouble making decisions. Uh, Frankly, folks, uh, I'm the absolute worst guest for this damn podcast. Uh, I should be actually asking you guys for more advice than giving it. Uh, I am authentic to who I am. Uh, I, you know, I had a college professor who really gave a basic speech in a senior seminar where you had to pick what was important to you. And at the end of the day, I chose, you know, I choose family, my, and then I choose making people happy. Then I choose entertaining, you know, whatever. And then the list gets thinner down the list. Uh, but when it comes to other decisions, I get paralyzed. Uh, like I, I mean, financially I have, a, uh, I have a lot of cash. Uh, I have a lot of money in, uh, with an advisor. You know, I have a, you know, a decent retirement fund and the rest is in cash for a house that I never wanted to buy because I don't know where I want to live. New York City's like, I'm afraid to make certain decisions. You know, like, do I want to commit to New York City and buy real estate? I get a feeling here. I get a feeling right here. Do I want to commit to uh, buying a house on Long Island? Well, that means driving and giving, you know, that means driving and being less motivated to go to certain comedy gigs that don't pay that much in New York City. You know, yeah. and so I'm paralyzed. So I guess my question for you guys is, what do you guys do when you're paralyzed about making decisions? Is not making a decision, like I said before, a decision? Or is should I be making more little decisions? You know, like now you get into that, well, I decided to put my money in cash for a while. And now, you know, like, and then you start getting that anxiety of, yeah. was your decision correct? Yeah, that's very, very normal. I mean, it, not making a decision by default and getting paralyzed in, in, in this awkward gray area where nothing makes sense and everything's fuzzy and blurry, that's super common. Um, what, what, what Sean and I believe is that there's only three decision-making outcomes. One is I can decide to do something. I can decide to buy that house in Long Island, for example. And you know when you've made a decision. Like You know when you decided that you were going to do that because Maybe you maybe you called the realtor. Maybe you maybe you toured a home. Maybe you went to an open house. Maybe you it was when you um, you know when you signed the documents. Whatever you know when you you know when there was a moment where you committed to purchasing that property because there's a clear next step in the process. You can decide not to do it, and you can say, "Oh hell no, I'm not going to move there." And there's a lot of decisions that you've made that are no longer weighing on you, where you decided not to do something. And and deciding not to do something is very clear because there is no next step. 
sometimes if a, the decision is to not pursue something, there's zero next steps. And so now I have no anxiety because I decided not to do it. The, the problem where people get hurt is to not decide. And we've made no decision. The, the struggle that I've found for, for people in that space is that they haven't properly aligned the particular decision they are faced with, with the initial first question, which is a question you even posed. Who am I? I've got to decide who I am and what matters to me. Where, what do I ideally want to pursue? Not, not in a tangible, earthly manner. Not, am I someone who lives in Long Island? No, that's not, a, that's not a, an image that I can make of myself unless it's within the confines of something larger. So who do I really want to be? And, and that's broad. That's, that's emotional and that's values-based. Maybe I want to be someone who is, I, I want to be and live a life that puts my family first. Okay, mm. where does my family live? My family lives in Long Island. Okay, well, now I've got one point for Long Island, right? Yeah. And, and I'm making some assumptions about your particular scenario. I'm not trying to give you necessarily direct advice on, on this issue. Um, but I think it always starts with who I am. Who am I? And that can inform those decisions. But there's a, we've learned a lot of tips um, from people who, who we've brought on as guests to the show. And there's one thing I've learned is that there's so many pearls of wisdom, but not one definite process for how to make choices because choices can be so different and decisions can be so different. Um, making a decision about what to wear this morning is obviously going to need a different process uh, than compared to how to invest my money or or whether whether to purchase a home in this city or not or whether to move here or there the the one thing that's common is that question well what about now my question for both of you is when you make a decision to not make a decision and you start to realize that that not make a decision decision might have been the wrong decision. So what would indicate to you that it was the wrong choice? Oh, like an easy one, not buying real estate three years ago, not buying real estate two okay. years ago. This is a great question. So it would depend on like that. That is a classic trap that, that people fall into, which is we judge a decision we've made based on the outcome. Now, if you were making a decision about real estate investing purely based on a speculative market outlook, right? Hey, I've got a random $50,000 that I'm going to put into something. What do I think is going to go up, down, and sideways over the next three years? And you made a decision based on that as a purely analytical decision. Um, yeah, you're right. Maybe that would have been um, a bad choice. Most of the time when people talk about that type of decision making, they're not talking about it from that point of view. They're saying, hey, should I buy a home um, in the area in which I live? And, and so let's create a profile of someone who did not purchase a home three years ago, but considered it. Right. Well, let's think of all the reasons why they might have not chosen. Because we're, I'm, I'm assuming that they decided not to, not that they simply didn't decide. Well, if they decided to not purchase a home three years ago, there's a lot of reasons why they might. Maybe I'm not sure if I'm going to live here in three years. Okay, that's a very good decision because if you're going to move and you have to sell your home, well, now maybe you've got to pay capital gains tax if you didn't live in it for long enough. Um, if you're going to move, 
across the country to a new area. Um, who, who knows if you're going to be able to sell this house at a gain uh, when you do leave. Um, there's a lot, and maybe you're tying up too much money that makes that move difficult. Oh, that alone is a good reason to not purchase. Maybe I didn't purchase the house three years ago because I wasn't in a good financial position, even though I was planning to stay in the same area. Okay, well, the risk of buying a house three years ago to this person would have been if the toilet breaks, you know, they're in credit card debt. Or if, um, mm. you know, if maybe they're not, they're not quite able to make the mortgage, they got to they gotta hope and pray that they keep their job. And if they lose their job, they're going to be out on the streets. Man, those are very, very, very good decisions to not purchase that that property. But then they get three years in the future, they look at home values and they go, oh, I made the wrong choice. Well, no, 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 because we're judging it based on the outcome. And if we do that, we're never going to rid ourselves of the anxiety that's preventing us from making decisions in the first place. And so I feel the same way about certain decisions in my life. And I've, I think I've gotten a lot better at it through the work that we've done. Um, in, in spending so much time thinking about decision making, but I can resonate with that anxiety of I have no idea what to do. Yeah, you know, some people they 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 don't battle with that demon of anxiety, and and I, I do, and it can be, it can it can paral it can be paralyzing. But if I consistently look back at the things that I chose, and judge them based on how they turned out for me, that that's such a losing battle. The only thing I can do is I can look yeah. backwards at what I chose and say, did I choose that because I know who I am or not? So it's funny. You talk about going backwards in time, especially with all these science fiction movies, especially with uh, all the things going on in a Marvel universe. Uh, it's a big theme in a Star Trek series right now is uh, going backwards in time and what decisions you made that set you down the certain paths. And yeah, uh, there you go. So I, I have that. Uh, I, I do a lot of rethinking the past too. Yeah, it, it's it, it's tough. Um, all we got is right now. You know, so the pat. I, I heard a a, a, a quote. This uh, I think it was today. I read um, thinking about the past is depression, and thinking about the the future is anxiety. Oh, what's going to happen tomorrow? I don't know. It's uncertain. Who said Thinking that one? That's a good one. one. I want to steal that one. I, I, I don't know. I don't know where I read that, but um, it might have been on on. Uh, man, I don't know, but it stuck with me. <laughs> yeah, I know that's not me. a helpful answer at all. No, it's yeah. not. But well, uh, it's a very helpful quote. And then, uh, yeah, I think uh, if uh, if you believe in missions. Uh, if you believe in coincidences and uh, whatnot, I believe you guys were uh, sent on a mission to find me, put me on a podcast, and give me that piece of advice today. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank uh, you. Thank you, Sanger. What do you, what do you have to offer me, Sean? Well, I'm, I'm just going to add. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a special quote that I can pull out of the air like that, but uh, I, I do. I do think you know when it when it comes to decision making that that you you don't, as Sanger said, you don't determine the value of the decision making or the quality of the decision making based on the outcome is based on was it in alignment with your your values and you have the information you have at the time 
that's what you got to go with. You may learn new information in the future, but I, th I think uh, you've just got to go to. Yeah, that's my father's line too, is the call you made at the time is always the right call. Yeah, yeah. that's what you got to do. It's good. Thanks so much, Tom. Well, I, I, uh, I appreciate the, that my advice was valuable to you, but I learned a lot from you today. And I know that people who are listening definitely did well, too. So listen, I learned a lot from you, Sanger, and I know I taught Sean quite a bit. So <laughs> he could thanks, use Tom. it. He thanks just started. Yeah. Right. Hey, thanks. <laughs> thanks for being with us. Tom. Hey, where can where can people find you one more time? Oh, uh, as if I haven't done the plugs enough. Uh TomKellyShow.com is the gateway to all things Tom Kelly. Uh I have a podcast at Tom Kelly Show on your favorite uh podcast app and now on YouTube, even though that's kind of a pain in the ass. And uh, I'm across the board on social media, and that's how Sean found me as uh, Tom Kelly's show. And uh, if you can't handle a – and the podcast is short. Let me tell everybody that too. 18-minute podcast, people. Uh, you can listen to me for one car ride, and you get a sense of completion. People love me for my short length. It's, it's sort of different from what we've got going here, right? <laughs> can't relate to that one. Yeah, well, and you know what it is? Was that, was that another reason that woman broke up with you? Yes. <laughs> yes, shorten, shorten stature. Shorten length and shorten stature, the Tom Kelly Show. All right. Thanks, hey, Tom. Good work, Thank you so much. Bye. See ya. My takeaways from our discussion with Tom is really a sort of a throwback to some of the things we've talked about in the past, which is when making decisions, look at who you are, look at what's important to you, uh, and decide what your mission is. The other thing he said, which I liked, which was to keep moving and make the decision, move forward. I liked that. So I, I really enjoyed the conversation with him, and those were my takeaways. Yeah, my my takeaway from the conversation with Tom was about that keep moving comment. You know, he and I kind of went back and forth and, and there were parts of time while we were talking where maybe we weren't understanding each other exactly right. But this idea of keep moving, it, I think really what we mean is it, get up on your feet. Get up on your feet. It, sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable. Sometimes it's going to be painful. Sometimes none of the available options that are in front of you seem attractive but just keep going and and a good decision that's a good decision yeah thanks for listening to this episode of decidedly i hope you learned something i know i did if you thought our show was five star worthy please check us out on itunes and give us a five star review it really helps out a lot helps people find our community and defeat bad decision making in their own lives Check us out at decidedlypodcast.com and on Facebook and Instagram at decidedlypodcast. Until next time, I'm Sanger Smith with Sean Smith. This is Decidedly. Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Sanger Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers who are not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their own opinion and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.